The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel. Well, hello, everybody. This is Rabbi Mel Glazer. We're on from morning to morning, and my job is to help you move from losing a loved one, uh, whether it be a human loved one or a pet loved one or your faith in yourself or whatever might be meaningful to you, something you have lost and you are affected by it. And uh, my job is, by all kinds of ways and means, uh, to help you move from morning to morning, that is, to realize that the sun comes up the next day and that you have resilience and power um, to move to a better place, a place of joy and happiness in your life. So I'm going to change my topic a little bit this morning. Um, I was, or this afternoon, I was going to talk about uh, bad things that people say to you um, because they want to be um, compassionate and they want to comfort you, but they don't really know how to do that. We've talked a lot about that before. So what I'm going to do rather is to, I've been uh, teaching a lot from my books uh, in the previous weeks. Uh, today I found some articles in a magazine called Tablet Magazine, and this issue deals with death and deals with people's responses to death in very different ways. If I were you, I would suggest that you uh, go in a room by yourself and um, plug me into your earphones, headphones, and, and don't talk to anybody, just listen, because I want you to think about the stories that I'm going to tell. Some of them have, uh, shall we say, adult language, and you'll know what they are. They are. I will try to substitute uh, in your honor so that nobody will be embarrassed. Okay? So I'm going to read you some stories about how different people understand death, their own and others, how they respond to it, how they make sense out of it. And hopefully these stories will help you and me as well. The first is written by an author named Shalom Oslander, lives in Woodstock, New York. 
And he says, It would just be nice to know for the wondering to be over. Whenever I hear that someone's died, there's always a moment of sadness. But then there's this moment of jealousy. It's done. There's no more questioning about how awful will it be. Will it be in a mass grave? Another holocaust? Raped? Murdered in prison? I'm too much of a hypochondriac to have huge vices, so I don't think it will be an overdose or anything like that. If I drink more than twice a week, I'm convinced I've got cirrhosis. If I'm at a party and everyone's outside having a drink and I have a cigarette with a gin or something, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, that's the one, that's the cigarette that gave me cancer. Right there. That effing camel Turkish platinum thing. That's the one. I was fine. If I had just stopped right before that, God would have let me live out my days. But it's probably going to be something slow and even more awful. Lately, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Alzheimer's. That's the latest way I torture myself. I'm convinced that within a month, I'll be in diapers and drooling in the Hebrew home for the aged or some other place like that. When you're raised with religious and God, with religion and God, your whole life becomes about death. Avoiding death, death as a punishment, what happens after death? How many cheeseburgers did you eat? It's all about some great reckoning or something. So I've always just been looking forward to the moment it's over. Plus, once it's over, either there's nothing, which would be fantastic, or there's something and it's God. And at least then there's someone you can complain to. I always picture getting up there and saying, yeah, I know everything I did, but uh, you haven't been down there. You don't even know about death. You don't know anything. So don't complain to me about anything bad you think I've done. Sometimes I have nightmares. Like, oh God, what if I get up there and my mother was right? And I'm like, oh, F. That would be the only awful downside of death if my mother was right. But really, I imagine people's souls sort of mingling around in the lobby of the afterlife and everyone just saying, kind of like the end of the New York Marathon, the New York City Marathon, holy S, that was awful. I am never doing that again. Did it once, but that really sucked. Where's the bar? Other times, I imagine going up to heaven and saying, please, please, please don't send me to hell. And God laughing, everyone says that. You just came from there, don't you get it? That was the punishment, duh. What part of that did you not understand? 
Was it the childhood leukemia? Was it genocide? Which part was not a clue for you? That was it. Everyone comes up here and asks not to go to hell. I'm telling you, you're done. Have a drink. Have a cigarette. It's over. It's all gravy from here on in. Trust me, God says, I was a Jew on earth. If there's a hell, it can only be a step up. I like that a lot. I say, this is Rabbi Mel speaking. I like that story a lot, that vignette a lot, for lots of reasons. One, because uh, he has the courage to write about it. Two, because when he says he finds out somebody had died, he has two emotions at the same time. There's a moment of sadness, then there's a moment of jealousy. That person is dead, so he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. I'm still alive, and all I do is worry about dying. From when I get in my car to when I walk across the street to when I'm on the plane to wherever I go, whatever I do, I worry that this might be it. And so I'm jealous a little bit. Auslander says, because my friend who died, he died. It's over for him. Now we just have to worry about the funeral and the burial. But he doesn't have to worry about anything anymore. He's done it all. He's finished. His life is over. It's complete. Now he's totally in peace. I like that story a lot. Okay, I have another story for you. It's written by Jerry Rudman of Highland Park, Illinois. Jerry is 77 years old. This is what he writes. I think there are two... Oh, he's writing about the death of his wife, Marianne, and how he deals with that and how he perceives that and what meaning it has for him. And he says, I think there are two deaths. There's the physical death, and then there's the death of being forgotten. And I've done everything I could to make sure that Marianne did not have to endure the pain of being forgotten. Marianne's death really came out of nowhere. She died at 33, four children. My being 36 and having to lose her and then keep going, it took a lot of effort and support. We were married in 1961, and in 1962, our first son, Steve, was born. 1963, David was born. Then we decided, gosh, if we don't watch it carefully, we're going to have like 15 children. So we decided to wait. In 1968, Peter and Adam were born. In 1971, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. 
and then in 1974, she died. We had some small victories, but lost the battle. We tried everything. Everything the doctors told us, we did. Every new drug, every experimental drug they informed us about, I gave it to Marianne. And you know what? I'm sorry now that I did that because she was in such pain for such a long time, it really wasn't worth it. People say that letting letting go is essential to moving on. That time is the time is going to heal the pain. But I think the pain really continues for a lifetime. I set up a scholarship at the high school which goes to an outstanding senior girl based on the qualities that Marianne had. On our 40th anniversary, I restored a magnificent Torah scroll curtain at the synagogue as a tribute to Marianne. And when I was in high school English class, I wandered on to a poem called Prospice by Robert Browning. It goes something like this. I was ever a fighter, so one fight more, the best and the last. I had no reason to pick it for any specific purpose at the time, but somehow it kind of gave me a message. I was ever a fighter, so one fight more, the best and the last. And for some reason, thinking back that when these things had happened, I thought back to this poem. The very end of the poem, he says, Soul of my soul, I will clasp thee again. So in the end, yes, I will be reunited with Marianne, even in death. I like that story, too. Because he talks about his love for his wife, Marianne, and he talks about his belief that he's going to be with her after he dies. Now, as you've heard me say before, I have no idea what happens to the soul after we die. You don't either. They taught us stuff in Sunday school, in religious school, but nobody knows the truth. We only know what happens to the body. Soul, well, who knows what happens to the soul? Not me and not you. So I like the fact that he believes, he's comforted by the notion that he's going to be with her after he dies. And for him, that's very comforting. And as I've told you before, it doesn't matter to me whether you think there's a physical heaven and hell after this world, or whether you think that they live on in your heart and in the memories and stories and life lessons that they taught. It doesn't matter because everybody is right. For me, it's about what gives you comfort. If you're comforted by thinking like he did, 
that he's going to be with her, then God bless. I will support you 100%. If you think that you will be comforted by the memories and the stories that people will share with you, then I support you 100%. The issue is not truth. The issue is comfort. And so for me, I will support you the best I can, knowing what comforts you better. I guess we'll never know until the time comes. And then we won't know quite the same way as we know now. According to the first story, at least it'll be over for us. The pain will be over. The problems will be over. And we'll be able to rest in peace. He thinks he's going to be with Marianne. I hope that brings him comfort. I'll be back right after the break, and we'll tell some more stories. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are. In the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Hi, I'm back. This is Rabbi Mel Glazer. We're at From Morning to Morning, trying to help you and me go from the pain of loss to the joy of creating a new life. And in today's show is a little bit different than what you thought it was going to be. Um, I'm reading some stories written not by me, stories that I just read last week in a magazine called Tablet, T-A-B-L-E-T. It's a Jewish magazine, but the stories uh, go way beyond being Jewish. They deal with death, and so they're appropriate and applicable to everyone's situation, those of any religion and those of no religion. Death knows no religion. It goes beyond that. So I've been telling some stories, and I have another story, and this is about how 
the death of a pet leads to love and a new relationship. It's written by Jesse Conweiler, 30 years old, lives in Los Angeles, California. Jesse is a she, as will become very clear. I was with my new boyfriend at the time, and it was the two-month mark of, oh, I'm kind of over this. And then we came home from the 4th of July, and my car was, my cat was in my bedroom, dry heaving, and she was just really sick. We rushed her to the vet, and I had to put her to sleep. I had never had someone's life in my hands like that. Totally crazy. And I remember the doctor was like, do you want to be with her? And you know, I really didn't. But I didn't want her to be alone more than I didn't want to be there. Anyway, I'd never really cried in front of this guy. He waited with me in the room and like held me and just helped me feel safe to just feel like my emotions and stuff. Afterwards, I was just like, oh my God, he's a keeper. I feel like with the death of your pet, people are kind of like, oh, it's just a pet. But it was really hard and also really beautiful because, well, love came out of it. I love this story. Love, love, love this story. One, because love came out of death. And she wasn't sure that she was into him anymore. And after two months, she was ready to walk away. But then her cat died and he was, he stayed there with her. So I learned lots of things about death and life from the story. First, pets are members of our families. When your dog or cat dies, a member of your family dies. And your grief is exactly the same. It takes time. It takes active steps on your part to go from morning to morning. And it's difficult to do alone. As a matter of fact, I think it's impossible to do alone. So look what she discovered. She discovered what her boyfriend, almost to be her former boyfriend, was really all about. That is, he was kind. He was empathic. He was considerate. And he loved her enough to stay with her in the face of death of her pet. You can't better you can't get better than that. Because she realized that if he could stick around when her pet was dying and died, and he could support her while she was in mourning, then he was a keeper in her own words. So look what she learned from her cat. Her cat gave her love during the cat's life, and her cat gave her a different kind of love 
when the cat died. I love this story. It's so meaningful. And, you know, I wish I, wish I had a pet. My wife is allergic to, uh, to hair, or I get a big German shepherd, take it to work with me every day, where it would sit under my desk. I would rub its ears every day, and he would love me back. Because that's a nice thing about cats and dogs and any kind of pet. They love you no matter what. No matter what. Uh, people are not the same. They do not love you no matter what. They get angry with you. They talk back to you. They upset you. Animals don't upset us in the same way. Yeah, you have to get up at 5 o'clock to walk the dog. Uh, but that's uh, minor compared to the benefits you get from having a pet. So I want to thank her for giving us that vignette and allowing us to remember who teaches whom about love. Okay, now I've got a totally different kind of story. It's about a gangster who died. I don't often read about gangsters, and neither do you. But this story is about Billy the Giant and how he died. It's written by Vanessa Davis. Uh, she's 37 years old, lives in Los Angeles. Let's, I'm sorry, it's written by Myron Sugarman. Montclair, New Jersey, he's 77. I'll read Vanessa's story in a few moments. Myron says, I know everybody. Can I tell you more about it? I can tell you a lot about it. I lived in about half a dozen countries. I ran slot machines in all these different countries. I knew every major gangster in history. And Rabbi Mel says, wow, what an honor that must have been. And he continues, do you want to know about Billy the Giant? He was a shooter for the mob in California. Anyway, he shot somebody. He was a hot potato. To make a long story short, he was passed on from one crew to the next. He was a pain in the ass, and I wound up with him. Intellectual guy, very brilliant. Had a tremendous IQ, but he had a couple of loose screws in his head. So far, so good, right? Right. If Sigmund Freud came back to life and analyzed him, he would screw up all of his theories. The guy was an absolute nutcase, and he, was, he rejected or respected nobody other than a couple of people, including myself. We got him an apartment in Greenwich Village. He was a big guy, about six foot five. He used to walk around with a big dog, cowboy boots, cowboy hat, and I don't know, for some reason, he went back to California. There was a warrant for his arrest. In a bar one night, somebody got shot, and the cops came in, and they grabbed him, and they took him down to the police station. He was so clever, he told the L.A. police 
Get me out of here real fast. I'm working undercover, New York police. They bought his story and released him. After his fingerprints came back, they realized that they had had Billy the Giant and they had let him go. Anyway, he came back to New York and I remember he called me on a Sunday. I went to see him and he says, I'm leaving. He says, I got to get out of here because next week they're going to feature me on America's Most Wanted. And he was. He was so perfectly described in that program, so he took off again. Then he got cancer. I knew he was going to die. And so he said to his partner, let's go down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Why, he says, here, I want you to do the following. I'm going to die. I, I can't go to a hospital. I can't get treated, all right? I'm a criminal. I can't get treated. When I die, you take my body and you throw it in the bayou. Rabbi Mel says, do you believe this? Throw my body in the bayou? Let's go on. He says, let the crocodiles and alligators eat me up. I want the FBI to spend the rest of their years, the next hundred years, looking for me. And that was the story of Billy the Giant. I got a gazillion stories. It's all in my memoirs. You know, next Thursday night at the Boca Raton Synagogue in Boca, I'm invited to give a speech on the subject of the Jewish mobster about his contribution to the betterment of the Jewish people. My hypothesis for the evening will be that had the Jewish gangster been born in Palestine, he would have become a Jewish patriot. And I'm going to go on and explain all of those details as far as that's concerned, how I came to that conclusion. One, the gangsters, when they were kids, they protected the ghetto. They protected the Jewish peddlers, the pushcart operators, and the stores, and so forth, from the invasions that came in from other neighborhoods to beat up on Jews and steal from them. Second, they beat up up on the Nazis. Even here, the American Nazi Party in New Jersey in New York, in St. Paul, Minnesota, in Minneapolis, all around the country, the Jewish gangsters beat up the members of the American Nazi Party. And the third thing I already explained to you, they protected the supply of arms and weaponry and money and illegal contraband that they shipped to Palestine. It's one of the biggest Orthodox shuls in the country. They're going to have more people at my lecture than they had praying last Yom Kippur. Billy the Giant. Do I still think about him? Yeah, I sure do. May he rest in peace. And may that crocodile rest in peace too. I love the story. It's so perverse. It's so different. It's so... So weird. It's so, who reads stories like this? Who knows people like this? Do you know gangsters? I don't know gangsters. 
Would you ever throw the body of a gangster into the bayou in Louisiana or Mississippi and let the alligators eat him up? Well, at least death would be quick. So you'd be doing a favor. I don't know if I could do that. Could you? Could you do that to a friend? I would be troubled. I don't know whether I could do that. But it does go to remind us of something else. That is, good people do bad things in this world. Billy the Giant was born a good guy. We're all born good guys. But sometimes things happen, whether it's our family background or our upbringing or bad things that happen to us. Today, we might call it PTSD if we were, you know, in Afghanistan or Iraq or someplace. And we have these visions when we come back and and we do bad things. I don't know. I don't judge because who knows? So Billy the Giant was a mobster. He was a good guy who turned into a bad guy. Why he turned into a bad guy, only he knows. But one, he enjoyed his life. Two, you could love him even though he was a bad guy, as his friend did. So what does that teach me and you? It teaches us that everybody can be loved even if they're not liked. I tell my people all the time, I love every member of my congregation. Love them. But I don't have to like everything that they do. I don't have to agree with everything they do. But when they're in grief, I support them. Even if I don't like them, I still love them. I officiated a funeral two years ago. Uh, I didn't like the lady whose mother died very much. She didn't like me. But I decided I'm her rabbi. So I went to her house for a service at night, uh, the day of the funeral, and I officiated just like I do at every other service that I officiate at. Did we talk? Were we buddies? Did we hug each other? No, not really. I told her how sorry I was. I told her how sad I was. But we didn't schmooze with each other because she didn't like me and I didn't like her. But I loved her. And she was in need. She was a grieving woman. Her mother had died. And she had just come from the funeral in another city. So Billy the Giant could be loved even though he was not liked. I think that's an important lesson to learn for all of us. I I need to work more on learning that lesson. Just because I don't like you doesn't mean I can't love you. And speaking as a rabbi, you know, what does God think? What do you think God thinks? You think God likes everything we do? Of course not. That's what sin is all about. We sin all the time. Jews have Yom Kippur 
to atone for our sins. Uh, Catholics go to Mass every Sunday and atone for their sins. So good people sometimes do bad things. We find a way to make it right, and we go on with life from morning to morning. I'll be right back after the break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Hi, Rabbi Mel back from Morning to Morning. It's my job to help you go from the pain of loss to the joy of creating a new life, as I've said before, a new you. We have no idea what the new you is going to look like. You don't have to know when you're in grieving mode. All you have to do is do whatever you can to wander through the desert of your grief so that eventually you'll come out of it differently, happily, joyfully. Yes, you remember the person who died, but the pain in your heart will be less every time you say their name and every time you think of them. If your father, Jack, died yesterday, and I met with you today, and I would say, Jack, you would break into tears. It's normal. That's what we do, because we loved him. But in six months or less, after I worked with you, and I said to you, Jack, and I asked you to tell me a story about Jack. You could tell me a story, and yes, you remember him with love, but the pain in your heart is less. That's what the mourning process is all about. It's to lay him gently down so he really can die and be at peace. 
so that you can be at peace with his memory and so that you can go on living because you didn't die. He did. And if you don't learn anything else from me, I want you to remember that. You did not die. It's not your time yet. When God's ready for you, you'll know it. Until that time, you have to live the best you can. Okay. So I have another story to tell you, share with you. This is written by Vanessa Davis in Los Angeles. She's 37 years old. And she says the following. I'm a slow mover. While I definitely feel that pressure can be helpful, it would really be better if you knew when it was going to come. It's just kind of there looming, scaring everyone all the time. I don't really appreciate that. It's like working with a bad editor who changes the deadline on you. You think you have until Tuesday, and then on Saturday they're like, where's the piece? Your time is up. But that also may be one of the best things, too, because... You can just fritter away your time as if it were unending. My dad died when I was 19, she says. At the funeral for him, it was annoying how ready everyone seemed to talk about him in the past tense. Because it had been less than two days ago that he was alive. Losing him had a lot of really kind of permanent and distinct negative influences on my life. So I could not say that it all worked out okay. It didn't. But as tragic as my dad's death was, some good things came out of it. It made me more independent and it made me more responsible. It made me appreciate what I had. It made me appreciate my mother and my sister and my friends. And it also, I guess, it made me see myself more clearly. It made made me see myself as his daughter. And it made made me see the things in me that came from him and that helped me shape my identity in a good way. I just heard New Order's new single, and it's so good. New Order has been around. It's an older band that I, than I am a person. Rabbi Mel says, I have no idea who New Order is. Never heard of them. Never listened to their music. But she's only 37. I'm 68 and a half. So... I just heard New Order's new single, and it's so good. New Order has been around. It's an older band than I am a person. I was just thinking how it's cool that I live in a world that has New Order. You know, there's rivers and oceans and chocolate and French fries and New Order. So, you know, I'll miss New Order. 
and I'll miss chocolate and french fries, and I'll miss my family. Very nice reminiscence. So what does she remind us? She reminds us that when you die, you only die physically. Her daddy died, but she remembered him. She remembered the stories. She remembered the life lessons, as I said in the beginning of the show. She remembered all the lessons that he taught her. And in a sense, therefore, he really did not die. And that's so important to remember. Yes, they died physically. And yes, we were with them yesterday. And today, we're not. But in a sense, death dies when we remember them. I believe in legacy. Legacy is the connector between their lives and our futures. It's what they leave to us that helps us create a future. And when it's our turn to die, it it will be our legacy that helps create the futures for our kids and our friends who remain after us. When I officiated a funeral, for example, it's as much a celebration of life as it is a funeral. And people tell stories, and we laugh, and we cry, and we think about the one who's died. And sometimes I think funerals should be sadder. Now, I know in the Christian tradition, especially in the Baptist tradition, um, and nobody does a funeral, by the way, better than black Baptists. I've been to so many black Baptist funerals, I love them, because they're real celebrations. But I think people should cry more and concentrate on the fact that they are sad and unhappy because their friend or parent or, God forbid, child has died. But nonetheless, times change, and and we feel uncomfortable being in tears a lot, even at funerals. So we tell stories, and I invite members of the family and friends to get up and share a reminiscence, a story, a life lesson, and I ask the question, what do you what did you learn from Jack? Or what did Shirley teach you? How are you a different person? What difference did they make in your life? Are you changed? Or are you the same as you were before they died? And I ask that question because I want them to think about it. Because if if... If I'll take myself as an example. If I live my 98 years or more, please God, and I don't change my world or myself, I'm the same at 98 as I was at 36, then what's the point of my having lived? We Jews believe that our purpose in life is what we call in Hebrew, tikkun olam, to repair the world. 
We believe the world is wounded. Relationships are wounded. Our relationship with the earth is wounded. Our relationship with God is wounded. And our relationship with each other is wounded. So our job as God's creatures is to repair the world, make it a better place. So that when we die, people will have good things to say about us. And, of course, the more we did to repair the world, the more tears there will be at the funeral. But what I always say is, if you want to mourn them correctly, if you really want to remember them, you will become like them. You will take one of their characteristics, whatever it is, could be their sense of humor, could be their empathy, could be their love for everyone, no matter what. It could be anything in their life that they taught and that they represented. And if you'll take that characteristic and make it yours and add it to the repertoire of your life, then they will still be alive. And you will still tell stories and your life can be different And so everyone's life around you will be different. So you really don't die. You just die physically. But what makes you you stays around forever and ever. As long as there are people to tell stories about you, you're still alive. I want you to think about that. As long as there are people who tell stories about you, and learn life lessons from you, then you are still alive. So I could say, as my professors at the seminary have said, death has died. Physical death is there, we know it. But real death, the death of the spirit? No. Death of the spirit will never, ever die. And that's a good thing to know. So I appreciate that story. I appreciated, you know, she told us what she's going to miss when she dies. Uh, What am I going to miss when I die? I don't know. What are you going to miss when you die? She's going to miss the new order, music. She's going to miss chocolate. She's going to miss French fries. Oh, yeah, I'm right with her on there. I'm going to miss French fries and cheesecake, big time. Matter of fact, I want to die eating French fries and cheesecake and milkshakes together. At least I'll go happy. I don't want to die unhappy. I want to die with my family around me having a party. So there are lots of mysteries to death, and we're trying to sort of peel the onion as we go along. Next week, I'll have more for you, but I'd like to invite you again, and nobody, nobody has taken me up on my invitation to write me an email and tell me what you like about my show and what you think I can improve on, and I'll repeat my offer. The first five people who write me at Rabbi Mel 
at griefok.com. I'll say it again. You're supposed to hear something seven times before you remember, but I trust you. Rabbi Mel at griefok.com. Send me an email, and if I really like it, I'll read it next week. But if, if, if it helps me to do better, as a thank you gift, I will send you a free copy of my latest book, A GPS for Grief and Mourning. And by the way, I hope you notice that there are now two new banners on my mini website, on the Voice America website. And you can click on either one of those banners and you can order my two books. The first book was called In God Created Hope. And it connected stages of grief with the Bible stories that you and I learned. And the second book is A GPS for Grief and Healing. So it takes you right to Amazon. All you got to do is click. All you got to do, Rabbi Mel at Grief OK. I want to read what you have to say. So... I'll hopefully wait for you, and I'll see you next time. Be well. Thank you. Thank you again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.